Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are starting the week off on a sour note. Tokyo is down 1%. Sydney is trading off 0.8%. Seoul and the China markets are closed today for public holidays. Joining me now as we break down all the action is Willie King looking fresh this Monday morning. Good morning. Good morning, Michelle. Good to see you here. Now, welcome to the first trading day of the last quarter of 2022. And let's hope that these next three months are better for investors than the previous three. The S&P 500 fell more than 9 percent in September, its worst monthly decline since March 2020. Here at home, a number of real estate investment trusts have been hard hit. Keppel DC REIT, Elite Commercial REIT and Prime US REIT, they're all down about 30 percent or more since the beginning of the year, with a big chunk of these losses coming in recent months. Now, Willie, the REIT sector's poor performance comes against a backdrop of rising interest rates. And some analysts have said that rising rates make REITs attractive as investors look for dividend and distributions. But we are also seeing a number of companies in this sector being hard hit, falling to 52-week lows. How so? Yep, so you are really looking at the REITs getting hammered by the rise in interest rates. And really that's also because the the way the market sees is that REITs are really a financial vehicle, right? When they acquire properties, they take on a lot of debt. So one thing which investors tend to actually look out for is this thing called the gearing ratio, where you know you basically take the total debt of the REIT divided by the total assets. And typically, you know, when we are in a low interest rate environment, a lot of these REITs, they tend to pile up debt to actually buy properties not just in Singapore but also overseas such that also MAS also gave a gearing limit of 50% and most REITs they try to be conservative where they try to hit um, between 40 around 40 max to 45% on average REITs are roughly about at 37% gearing ratio so gearing is actually one measure of looking at a REIT and at the same time when you're looking at higher interest rates the interest rate on all this um, borrowings would also go up. And this could actually make it more difficult for REITs to refinance themselves. So in a time of higher interest rates, or what we are seeing right now, the market is expecting REITs in general to have some form of difficulty in refinancing their loans. And this could also be attributed to a notable jump in the cost of funding. Um, you know, if you see, for example, you know, like Suntet REIT, you have about 43% gearing ratio. Elite commercial REIT is about 42.8%. Ara hospitality REITs about 45%. So there could be an example, for example, like the EC World REIT, where they had some difficulty in trying to refinance um, themselves. So when they draw down their banking facility, when they tried to do a loan earlier this month, they actually struggled to try to refinance. And even if they could refinance, it's probably going to be at a much higher interest cost. So this sort all sort of leads up to an increase in the risk of the REITs uh, because of this jump in cost of funding. And at the same time, it's very unique here in Singapore that REITs tend to actually have a lower maturity in their loans. That means they tend to take on very short-term loans, unlike in the US where most US REITs have a very, very long loan tenor, you know, 15, 30 years. But in Singapore, most REITs tend to refinance less than five years. So what this means is that the chances of them refinancing over the next few years is actually quite high. And when they refinance at a higher interest rates, this could put pressure on their distributable income for these REITs. That's why, when, like what you said, Michelle, 
REITs have dropped close to 30% since the start of this year. So we're seeing some companies like EC World REIT with difficulties <coughs> refinancing and others like Suntech REIT, ARA Hospitality REIT and Cromwell REIT. They have high gearing ratios, which means they have significant debt and will face higher interest charges. At the same time, though, the picture for REITs is not uniform and we're seeing strong interest in several counters. So which ones are attracting institutional inflows, Willie? Yeah, so we are looking at Capitaland Ascenders REIT, Maple Tree Pen Asia Commercial Trust, which had was recently a merger, uh, Maple Tree Logistics Trust, Landlist Global Commercial Read, Digital Core Read. So, typically, some of these blue chip reads are a safe haven for capital inflows because they signify safety in investors' capital. They tend to be viewed as a safe haven for investors. But what struck me as uh, interesting is that out of these five, Landlist Global Commercial Read and Digital Call read is actually attracting inflow because um, these two reads are actually much smaller than the other three reads. And usually, when you have you know the smaller reads, they, they they aren't exactly perceived as safe haven because of smaller reads, but sort of a higher risk as well. But it's quite surprising. But if you look closer into Lenly's global commercial read and digital call read, probably I can see the reason why they are attracting inflows. You know, in a time where interest rates are going up, because Lendlease Global Commercial Read, they, they have a crown jewel, which is your 313 Somerset. That is something which is very familiar to a lot of the local investors here. And that also puts some sort of comfort when they say, okay, look, when I want to invest in REITs, I want to invest in something which is familiar to me, something which I can see, see, touch, and feel. So I guess that's where the retail inflows are probably going into. Digital call read is probably. I think because of the sponsor, I mean, if you look at uh, Digital Call Realty, which is their sponsor, they are one of the largest digital data centers in the US. So that also forms a strong safety backbone um, in Digital Call Realty. So it is quite interesting. Um, and this two reads sort of stands out among the five reads which has seen this um, institutional and retail inflows for the third quarter of 2022. Right, let's recap the five. Capital Land Ascenders Read, Maple Tree Pan Asia Commercial Trust, Maple Tree Logistics Trust, Lendlease Global Commercial Read, and Digital Core Read. These are the five reads that have received uh, institutional inflows. So if we take a look now at this uh, past week's director deals, which executives, I want to switch gears now, which executives mm. are buying shares in their own companies? Well, several REITs topped the list, including Sabana, Maple Tree Industrial Trust, and Parkway Life. Uh, what catches your eye when you look at these deals, Willie? Mm. Um, it's actually interesting when you look at some of these REITs um, where the directors and the shareholders, they are actually buying, taking on more stake in the REIT because it sort of adds confidence in to the business or the company itself. And what do I mean by this? Because you see how you know shaken up the market is. But at the same time, these um, directors and substantial shareholders, when they are buying these REITs, they are sort of sending out a message that, hey, Amidst all this rise in interest rates, you know, I still have that confidence in the market in the REIT itself. And you can see like what you mentioned, you know, Suntech, Sabana Parkway, there's also Maple Tree Industrial REIT as well, which they are looking for substantial shareholders acquisition and buybacks. Um, and this really draws on to the confidence that despite the volatility in the market, a lot of these REITs, they are actually also seeking opportunities to acquire assets. 
Um, and that's something which sort of goes against the grain of what the market is doing right now. Take a step back. If we take a step back, we're seeing significant buying interest in several REITs, both by institutions and the directors who work with them. And at the same time, we're seeing several companies hit by rising interest rates. So what is your overall take on the REIT sector as we look to the fourth quarter, Willie? Yeah, I think one thing to pay attention to will be the third quarter business updates for REITs. I mean, right now, reg- regulatory reporting in REITs and in Singapore is half yearly, but a lot of these good REITs, they tend to do your quarterly update. I think that's something which is good to pay attention to because, number one, this update sort of tells you, hey, how are their financial position is? Are they doing any latest acquisitions? How are they managing their interest costs? So I think there's something which is good to pay attention to. Things like your gearing ratio, your refinancing costs, your cost of funding, and what are their strategies. And for me, I feel that in this higher interest rates environment, even though the higher interest rates might impact Singapore REITs, the thing about high interest rates also means is that the economy is also growing. What this means is that rental rates could be going up and a higher rental rate could be good for REITs in general. So you're talking not just about your typical retail commercial, but you also have your industrial logistics uh, REITs as, as well. So a lot of these REITs where they're able to bargain for higher rental rate adjustments on a year-after-year basis, they could actually benefit in a higher interest rates environment. So I'm not just looking at the financial standpoint of a REIT where high, oh, higher interest rates could affect the distributable income of the REIT. But at the same time, I'm also looking at the reasons and the beneficiaries of how these REITs can actually ride on the tailwind of maybe a stronger economy. So in the long run, I mm-hmm. think a higher interest rates could be bad for the shares of these REITs in the short run. But looking at the quality of the properties, whether they're able to grow their rental revenues in the long run would be something more crucial to be looking at. Great nuance look there. For a completely different topic, we turn now to the Elon Musk files. A slew of text messages were made public over the weekend as Musk and Twitter maneuver for advantage ahead of their trial, which begins in two weeks. The messages offer insights into who was supporting Musk's bid to take over Twitter, as well as how desperate much of Wall Street was to get a piece of Musk's business. They also shed light on Musk's motivations. First, about why he wanted to buy Twitter and then why he decided to back out. So really, who are some of the people that Musk chatted with about the deal? Yeah, Michelle, I think this is always a very juicy thing when it comes to <laughs> looking at emails and texts of these CEOs because that's where you really find out where their true true messages and their true intentions are, right? I mean, through casual messages and true casual texts, you can see the sort of the nuances of these intentions behind this CEO sometimes. And, you know, in this case, the Twitter deal, which um, Elon Musk actually wanted, he, he actually texted with some of the tech executives. So long-time colleagues and friends, for example, like ex-Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, he spoke with Oracle's Larry Allison and VC venture capitalist Joe Lonsdale. So these are some of his friends, and acquaintances mm-hmm. which sort of advise, offered advice to him and also expressed some interest in the deal through Musk. How do you think the release of these messages is going to impact the trial? I don't know, man. I mean, if, if, if I were to cut out, you know, I'll be actually laughing at first glance because some of these text messages, right, they seem so casual and informal that you, 
you wouldn't even know that, hey, they are really serious about buying this deal. And it could all just be, you know, just a joke. It's really hard to say. Mm. Meantime, in other Elon Musk news, the tech billionaire has unveiled a prototype for a new humanoid robot. And I wonder if you've seen Optimus. What do you think of it? Wow, this is... I I thought this was coming out from Japan. And to <laughs> actually be having it coming out from... Tesla AI Day, this, this strikes me as something which is revolutionary. And, you know, when, when I'm looking at this, the first thing in my mind was, can this robot take over the helper in my place? <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> Immediately thinking of cars here. Oh boy. I mean, it's actually quite interesting here because um, Elon Musk is, has been a very strong proponent of technology and you can see how he tries to revolutionize automakers trying to trying to 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 take over you know big companies traditional companies like your Ford and Chrysler with his new electric vehicle Tesla and you know it, it doesn't come as a surprise to me where he he actually launched this robotic AI I won't be surprised that you know he could actually push all the way for this Tesla bot this is something which I am actually looking forward to all right, uh, a note of comfort to Willie's helper. Don't worry, because this humanoid robot cannot walk yet. So <laughs> you still got your job. Uh, in other Elon Musk news, first up, what did you think when you saw Optimus? I mean, really, did you look at it and think, what are the capabilities of this? And I definitely need my hands on one of it slightly less than a car. Yeah, I mean, when I first looked at it, I thought that, you know, it really had a very slick look. And I thought that for a company to do this, it's actually quite amazing. I thought it was a guy in a suit. Yeah. That's what I thought. Oh, yeah. Of, of course, and that. <laughs> <laughs> Looked amazing. Uh, Musk says he's going to make millions of it. Now, before we move on to other news, the latest stats on Tesla's car deliveries are out. So would you characterize these numbers, Tesla's car deliveries? Is this an up or a down for Tesla? I mean, when I look at these numbers, it's definitely an up for me, um, even though they have fall short of analyst expectation. But if you see a year-on-year growth, it's a very positive surprise because they actually grew much more than it was last year. It's just that analysts, I guess, they were really bullish about Tesla's production because Tesla so far has been doing pretty well on meeting analysts' expectations. And I think this momentum, as this momentum continues to go, I think analysts are also getting more aggressive and more sort of, quote-unquote, greedy about their expectation. It's just that maybe this for, for this quarter, they have actually, Tesla has actually fall short of that expectation. I don't think it's anything necessarily bad. Mm. Again, when we are looking at Tesla, if I'm looking at Tesla, I'm looking at it from a business point of view. So I wouldn't necessarily take this analyst expectations too seriously. So when I look at the numbers, I thought, hey, this is a pretty interesting company amidst all this volatility in the market. Quarterly delivery is among the most closely watched indicators for Tesla. They underpin uh, the car maker's financial results. Deliveries are up, but not as high as Wall Street was expecting. So generally a down in my book. I want to zoom out and take a look at the broader markets now. Of course, uh, over the course of the third quarter, some 24 trillion US dollars worth of market cap disappeared. What does the picture look like as we uh, look forward to the week and the quarter ahead, Willie? Yeah, it looks like the market value just disappeared overnight. That's, that's a lot of money. So it's a combination of um, stocks and bonds. Um, for this week, I think one, one interesting thing to look at is the, some of the officials which are speaking. So the Fed officials, some of the Fed officials, um, they are speaking and sort of, you know, it's good to actually take on some of this guidance, um, which very well investors could be expecting. 
in the November meeting. Mm-hmm. Also, we are also looking at the UK, the UK Conservative Party conference, which is ongoing right now, and that sort of comes in line when the least trust government is actually looking for a tax cut. So I think it's actually quite interesting to actually monitor some of these two conferences. Also, you have the US economic data. So one thing which I would pay attention to is the jobs report, which is the unemployment rate and the non-farm payroll, because that would sort of determine and give an angle or guidance as to whether the Fed would actually pivot on its current interest rates trajectory. So I think that's something which is worth looking at. But overall, when you look at the markets on a broad-based sell-off, you are looking at, you know, companies like the tech sell-off, which was already down like more than 30% earlier this year. Okay, let's look at oil markets now. There is talk that OPEC Plus may substantially cut production in order to stem a recent fall in prices. So what's the latest on this front? Yeah, so OPEC Plus, OPEC and its allies, they are actually looking to cut oil production by 1 million barrel per day. I think this is going to anger the US because they are a huge oil, oil consumption economy. And, you know, this this could also very well affect other economies which are really heavy in oil. I mean, back home in Asia, we are looking at a country, for example, like Malaysia, where oil prices could be affected, even though that they have their own domestic production. Um, other countries where they are very he- heavily used in oil, especially when you know they do a lot of automaking. So I think this, this could affect economies, businesses, mm-hmm. where their input costs are driven by oil. So one of them which goes against the sector which would benefit from air travel could be airline companies. Yeah. Brent crude currently trading higher, around 87 US dollars a barrel. A barrel of West Texas crude is selling for a bit less than 82 US dollars. All right, it's time for up or down a quick game. Let's start with Intel. Mm. This is an up for me. I mean, the latest announcement where Intel is trying to take one of its business subsidiary, Mobile iPublic, um, they are trying to IPO this company. And Intel is currently filing with the SEC on the IPO, which this IPO is specialized in making chips and software that powers autonomous vehicles. So this is an up for me. Up for me as well. I think up for Intel. So I'll keep our eye out for uh, that IPO from Mobile Eye that's owned by Intel and it makes the software for self-driving cars. Keppel Infrastructure Trust, Willie. Mm. Uh, this is a very tough call for me because Keppel Infrastructure Trust is a business trust where they own uh, many utilities assets and according to the chief executive, they are trying to grow their portfolio to $18 billion over the next 10 years. And they are trying to diversify into energy, uh, renewable energy, environmental solutions, logistics. Um, These are the three big segments. So the thing about Capital Infrastructure Trust, unlike property REITs, is that many of these business segments, their assets don't tend to appreciate over time. Mm-hmm. The good thing is that they are able to collect good rental and recurring income. But unlike properties, these utility assets tend to sort of depreciate over time in their asset value. So even though you are able to grow this portfolio, the key question here is whether you're able to replace these assets over time over the you know next 10, 15 years. So you might end up, investors might end up putting in more money to grow the portfolio instead. So... It's a tough call for me, it Michelle. It is, it is. Um, the, the quick bottom line for this morning, Keppel Infrastructure Trust plans to triple its portfolio. And as long as it doesn't take on too much debt, I think that this should be an up for Keppel Infrastructure Trust. Let's look at Capital Land Ascendus REIT. 
Yep. So Catalan Ascenders Reed is historically, traditionally a safe haven blue chip. In, in fact, I'm surprised that it was not the, one of the top 10 inflows of the institution. Yep. So this is actually a blue chip where it's able to at- attract capital inflows into the REIT itself. And, you know, they own one of the largest pieces. They are the mother of industrial properties in Singapore. So they don't just own industrial assets in Singapore, but also overseas as well. And amidst this rising interest rate environment, Capital and Ascendance REIT is still able to actually manage their borrowing costs. You know, this is something where it is interesting for investors. It is an up for me. Up for me as well, Capitaland Ascenders Reed is converting a San Diego office property into a life sciences building. All right, finally, attendance numbers at F1, Willie. Oh, this is an up for me. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, cars, you know, Fast and Furious, this is an event or this is the highlight to, to be focusing on. I mean, Singapore has carved out a huge piece of land specifically catered to F1 and finally after what two years of a shutdown this is you know all vibrant again and I think this really bodes well for a lot of businesses especially travel related businesses where you know they are doing a travel agency or where they're doing your your MICE events this definitely bodes well for the country for the economy as well it's an up for me attendance this past weekend was the highest in F1 history with more than 300,000 fans let's check in on how stocks are doing this morning very close to the news about 9.30 this local trading day the STI broke a 5 day losing streak on Friday to close up half a percent at 31.30 still the STI has lost ground during the month of September falling 2.3% so very briefly Willie about 60 seconds how are the blue chips doing this morning on the first trading day of October and the first trading day of the last quarter of the year? Mm. I mean, you can see for some of the names where DBS is actually down 0.72%, uh, Singtel is down 0.75%. Surprisingly, SETS is trading flat at about, it's up 1%. Um, this really comes from its recent acquisition with um, Worldwide Flight Services. Um, you have your other blue chips like your SGX is down 0.63% and Wilma down 0.78%. Thanks very much. He's Willie King, the Dividend Titan. I'm Michelle Martin, and you're with me here on Your Money. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.